As the 90s continued to just fly by, it was such a crazy time for me, and a lot of dates and memories get jumbled up. So I apologize to anyone that knew me at this time or that knows me at this time <laughs> if some of these dates are screwed up. But one of the cool things that I got to do was to go back to New England and see my family and friends a lot. It just was great because you're gone for a while and you come back and like everything's new. I love that feeling. I also, being openly out at this time, I always felt like I was kind of a spokesperson for gays and lesbians, which I'm not, <laughs> but it just seemed like when I get home, when I go home, I get all these funny questions from people that were just genuinely curious about, you know, what it was like to be gay. At that time, my brother Gary and his wife, Michelle, had two beautiful children then. They had Janine, uh, my niece first, and then Shane, my nephew second. And I just, I adored both of them. They were beautiful kids and wonderful. And I loved going home and seeing them and being able to talk to them. I also would get to see my dad. Our relationship now had, it was getting better. It, you know, I, I think I had come to a realization that with my dad, I knew he loved me, but I think that he just had always struggled with me being kind of this different kid, you know, this kind of black sheep of the family. And even though I tried not to do this, I was always trying to please him and show him that I could do anything on my own, that I was strong and that I would succeed no matter what. It's not such a bad thing because I think it does give you a good work ethic. And that's something that my dad had taught me. The other thing that was cool was that I got to see my grandparents on my mom's side, um, the Barlows, my grandmother and grandfather, uh, Paul and Thelma, who just are incredible people. And I, I can remember going back to their house because my mom would always make sure I stopped in to say hi. It's a really great thing that my mom did was install that, you know, building relationships with your grandparents because they're not going to be around forever. So I would go see them and I would first I would talk to my grandmother in the house and you know she just was this strong intelligent woman a leader uh, incredible values and her politically her and I were you know identical it was just it was great and she would tell me stories too about you know about their past um, they were different, of course, than my other grandparents, but still great stories about my grandfather during the war and, and everything. It was just incredible. Then I'd go see my grandfather. My grandfather would be out in this garage slash woodshed. And he was so funny because he would have a little cooler of PBR beer, Pabst Blue Ribbon beer in a cooler. And then he would have cigarettes. And I... I should remember what he smoked, but I can't remember. I think there were, I don't remember, Paul Mall or something. But he would kind of look, you know, he would look at, towards the house and he's like, is she, you know, is she looking and, you know, talking about my grandmother. And I would say, you know, I'd look and I'd go, no, I think she's, you know, cooking or something or reading. And so he'd, you know, he'd grab, you know, sheepishly grab this beer, you know, do you want a beer? And I think sometimes I would drink with him, you know, I'd have a beer with him. And, um, I only, I actually only have smoked when I've been drunk or drinking. So I think I didn't smoke with him, but he would tell me all kinds of stories. And, you know, my grandfather, 
when I was a kid, they grew up, they had this big farm. It wasn't the same kind of farm that we had, but they had a farm um, that they, I would go over and hang out and my grandfather would take us fishing and he would take my cousin Chris, who was younger than me, and my cousin John. And we would go fishing for brook trout, which is, or brown trout. I think they're called brook trout. But they were in these little brooks that were near the farm. I'll never forget doing that with, with my cousins. They were, it was just the funnest thing because it, it took a lot of work. And you got these little fish that were really good to eat. And it just, you know, it was my grandfather teaching us kind of how to survive, really. And he would have stories, too. And he just was this funny guy. He had this you know, this kind of dry sense of humor that a lot of us kids have incorporated into our lives. And, you know, Chris and, Chris and John were just these, you know, two great cousins. They were such a contrast to the cousins that I had to work with on the farm. And Chris would later pass, um, much too young, of brain cancer. And, you know, it, uh, it was just a tough thing to go through for my aunt and uncle, of, of course, but I'll never forget those memories with them. And it just reminds me that, you know, for anybody that's listening to this, if you have grandparents still alive and you're lucky enough to have them, you know, visit them, talk to them, whatever you can, because they're just a wealth of information and love. So that was what a lot of my trips were like back there. And I'll have more. It's strange how things happen in life, uh, timing, just events, everything that kind of happens, you know, you have those moments where you say, wow, you know, how did that happen? It was fate. It was timing. And the other day I had a text message from someone that I had dated in the eighties and I had talked about in this series, I had talked about a long distance relationship. And that's really what this is about. So I get this message from Scott. Scott was this incredible guy that I met from Seattle. And I dated him long distance for a while. At the same time, my friend Tannis was dating a woman that would eventually move to Seattle, which is kind of ironic. Anyway, um, he had found a letter that I had written to him after we had broken up and sent it to me and I just I was kind of blown away I forgot that I've written this letter I knew I wrote him a lot of letters because it was long distance so this is about long distance relationships when I was in Seattle visiting another friend of mine my friend Chris I was waiting for him to get off work so I went to go have a drink by myself at this little dive bar I think it was called Lydia's in Seattle and I'll never forget and I know you all have those moments where, you know, you just never forget that moment. And I remember walking in that bar and I saw him and he was sitting there. He was kind of this, um, he was stocky, well-built guy, very handsome. And he just, we just kind of looked at each other and, you know, it just happened. We just ended up talking to each other and getting drunk and having a great time. And I went home with them. He lived in on Queen Anne, which is this beautiful um, neighborhood in Seattle. And he was one of those people that I just, you know, I felt like, you know, kindred spirit. And we started this long distance relationship. 
long distance relationships are hard you know because you don't get to see each other all the time it's you can call you can write and everything but you just don't see each other a lot and it's, it's difficult to maintain that and at that time of my life I was really you know busy you know developing my life and work and, and everything but we tried really hard to make it work I'd go to Seattle he'd come to Denver and we had great times when he came to Denver but eventually um, you know it didn't work out and I'll never forget though Whenever I would be in Seattle or he'd be here and I'd have to take him to the airport, I was just a mess. I would cry and go home and cry and I just, I missed him so much. And he brought a lot into my life uh, just as far as being, you know, with me and just a lot sharing stories and stuff like that. And I remember he read a lot. And I just, I can still picture him just sitting there reading patiently as I was doing other stuff. Just such a sweet guy. So this is the letter that um, he sent to me that I wrote to him. And this must have been after we had broken up. I'm not exactly sure, but this is the letter. Dear Scott, as you probably guessed... I always send sap-filled cards. Sorry, you should know me by now. That's just the way I am. I've thought about you a lot lately. I'm not sure why. I think that you're, you're likely that one love of my life that has passed me by or that I let go. It's hard to say if that is true or not. Maybe not knowing is the whole problem. In most cases, when you leave the person you're in love with, it's because you've either fallen out of love or the love has been destroyed by some other factor. In our case, it was because of distance. There's no reason in our case for either of us to dislike each other or to want to fall out of love with each other. Anyway, distance is a huge factor, and I guess my point is that I will always love you but I realized that we will probably never be lovers. It's not fair, but remember that there's someone here in Colorado that loves you. Love, Thomas. So, I, you know, I read that letter now. It kind of breaks my heart because I remember how tough it was um, when I had decided that it just wasn't going to work out. And I think he probably had felt that way too. He's a great guy. And we did, after that breakup... And I think I probably handled it like shit, you know, to be honest. I, I was never good. I've never been good at breaking up. I, I hate it. I don't, you know, I never want to disappoint people and it's always kind of haunted me. But in the end, we did stay in touch and I went and saw him a few more times just as friends and stuff. But he, he'll always have a special place in my heart. You'd think it would have taught me not to have long distance relationships, but I did have several more. And, um, you know, what I'm happy about with Scott is that we're still friends today.